0: So here we are with Tom Aspinall. How are we doing my man? How are you finding quarantine?
1: I'm alright, thanks. Quarantine's pretty good. I've got three kids, so busy. It's pretty busy for me, do you know what I mean? The only difference is I'm not I'm not going to the gym and I'm just like living living like a twenty four seven parent, which is not easy. <laughs> but uh it's going all right. How's it going for you?
0: Yeah, it's, it's not too bad to be fair. I'm luckily working from home and stuff, so it's not the end of the world. How are you finding um training and everything still? Whilst everything's going on?
1: took me a while to get into it you know like garden workouts and stuff um to be honest even if i was doing like a body weight workout or something like that i would always go to the gym still because i just want to like get away from everything mentally and and just focus on that and i thought that i could never never do it like a workout at home and i've been working out at home now for like how long has it been like seven or eight weeks something like that so uh yeah all right all right obviously it's not I, i miss I miss fight training, do you know what I mean? I miss, like, trying to punch someone and them trying to punch me or trying to take someone down and then trying to stop me. or Just all that. It's just It just helps so much mentally as well. Throwing a kettlebell around and doing bodyweight exercises is all right for a bit, but after a bit, you're just like, you know, let's, like, get it. someone trying and hit me. Someone trying and hit me. Just get someone. I feel like asking my missus or one of the neighbours, someone just throw a punch near me. I'm sure she'll
0: um, clout you on. she be all right. <laughs> But this is actually a point as well. Is like when you become a full time athlete to then still be a dad and be you know part of the family. How are you finding that kind of balance?
1: What just at the moment or all the time?
0: Just outside, outside of um lockdown, you know, in the good old days of fighting and training, social distance. Um,
1: good. I I love being a dad. I think that's uh that's what I've always wanted to do. You know, I had kids, my first kid when I was like twenty two. So it's what it's what I always wanted to do is uh is be a dad. But for me, it's really good because before I had the kids. I just obsessed with fighting twenty four seven. So it was just like I would just train, stop training and then think about how I did with the training. Watch some fighting and then go back and train. and it would be like it was too much. Do you know what I mean? It was too I had no like other outlets to like take my mind off it and stuff like that. Now it's like uh obviously I've got the kids, I've got to do stuff with them and all that. Um so it's just a good balance, and to me, it just shows me really like what what MMA really is. MMA, no, it's not that important. And when you when you're like stuck in that obsession that I was, um, it, beca- it became like too serious for me. You know what I mean? And, and now it's like you know when you got kids, and that MMA is just like something that you don't go wrong. I still love it. I, you struggle to find anyone else who loves MMA more than me. Do you know what I mean? But. It just puts stuff into perspective that I may just enjoy it while it lasts. Cause it's not going to last forever, and you know what I mean. I, I don't know if I'm wording that right, but
0: no, I know what you're saying. I feel kind of I thing.
1: feel like I feel like I've done a lot better with everything since I've had the kids because it just gives me a break from from fighting and just time to do other stuff, to take my mind off it.
0: Oh, definitely, it sounds like you know when people start training full time and that's all their life, they kind of burn out quite a lot. It's this fight means everything mma is my absolute life and all this and the other but then what and then having that co- sort of context i guess of knowing okay i've also got my family i've also got a, a world going on around this mma is still important but you know it's not the be or and end all kind of thing. It must give a lot more i don't know quite refreshing kind of perspective on it all yeah
1: mate that's exactly what i was like i'm like uh a bit of a, a deep thinker and that a bit of a, an overthinker I was anyway I'm not too bad anymore but um, yeah if I get like a technique wrong in training or something wouldn't what, work what, well in sparring it would like mess up my whole day or my whole week even and never mind that if I get something wrong in a fight it would mess up me basically my whole year or if I would lose a fight or something but now I'm just like you know what I'm not really that asked I just take it for what it is just a sport and that's it That's I think a lot of a lot of young fighters need to get Get their head around it, and it's hard. It's hard to do unless you've been there. Uh, but I've started performing a lot better since I started looking at it that way. Is it's only a sport? Do you know what I mean? You lose, you win, or you lose, or whatever. And you just carry on about life. No one's really that asked, and if they are asked, who's bothered? It's only the people who love you that really, uh, that really matter anyway. So it doesn't really matter if you win or lose, if you perform well or you don't perform well. Who gives a shit? In you know, in however many long, however long you're going to die and it's all going to be forgotten about anyway so let's just enjoy it that's what i
0: think anyway you touched on something earlier there about being like quite an overthinker what do you mean in that sense is it like a nerve is it like a overanalyzing thing is it just a general i don't know what would you mean by being an overthinker to do you over, know what i've never really i've never re- no it's alright <laughs> pick me questions all
1: you want um but you know I've never really been much of a nervous character, to be honest, before before fights and stuff. Just, yeah, more of an over-analyzer, I think. Just thinking about every situation. Don't get me wrong, it's hard not to. You get a massive guy across who's trained just to fight you, and it's hard not to over-analyze. But, you know, I, I took the, the focus off um, my results and stuff like that and just put the focus purely on enjoying it. And since I've done that, it's just I'm just a different fighter now, I think.
0: Was there a real turning point that made you think this way? Was it your kids specifically? Was it a fight you've either lost or what's given you that kind of context?
1: Um, A few different things, yeah. The kids helped because it puts in perspective what life is really all about. It's not just about getting in and having a fight with someone. A couple of injuries have helped. You know, like you have a time out away from it. Being around Tyson Fury every day for a few years helped a lot, in my opinion because that guy, he's just not bothered at all, he is not bothered, he's just in there enjoying himself, not taking it serious, and obviously he's the best, the best heavyweight in the world at the moment, so it just shows like, it. it's hard with fighting, because fighting's a lot about ego, isn't it, you're a big macho guy, you're in there, you don't want to lose and all that, but like, when I was around Tyson and stuff, he, he wasn't bothered about any of that, he's just in there just messing about, enjoying himself, giving out little verbals, and Having a laugh as inspiring sparring and all that, and I was just like mega serious the whole time, and just nothing like that anymore. Like, it's night and day difference between me, and just even my happiness and like, um, my personal life and stuff has, has just improved from it because I was carrying that stress into like everyday life and stuff, and now I just say my focus is purely just on enjoying it, and that's it. And when it's over, i go and do something else that I enjoy.
0: Now, obviously, the big name drop there of um. <laughs> Tyson Fury. That sort of gives me a, a bit of a question here, because you know how in the sort of spotlight Tyson's really the first name basis. And I mean, Tyson Fury was just Tyson now. <laughs> so I mean, he was like quite in the spotlight, saying about his mental health, his big transition. When you're in training camp with him, and you obviously around him quite a lot, was he ever quite open about talking about like you know what's on his mind, or was he always just you know happy go lucky, having a laugh and stuff? Uh,
1: some days he was quieter than other days, but I didn't really think anything of it at the time because. That's just the way fighting is, isn't it? Like some days, you're just fucking nacking at you. Mm. So I just, I just thought it was that. Um, but he, he's definitely, uh, he's definitely up and down. But so, am I. I think so. So most people, you know, think health problem, mental health isn't talked about too much, is it? But some days, mate, I just, I just, me personally, I to wake up and I'm just in a mood for nothing, basically. Some days I don't want to talk to anyone. Some days I want to talk to everyone. I don't know why. But I think the most people are like that, personally.
0: I mean, I was more getting on the fact of how open was those qu- sort of conversations. Was it ever like, do you know what, I'm struggling a bit today. Was everyone just, you know, gets on as normal and we sort of take it as red?
1: That kind no, of it was just kind of, we just got on as normal. For, for me anyway, but I'm not like a close family member or anything. I can't say what he was doing with the other the other people.
0: No, that's right, I wasn't sure for the general atmosphere it was like, you know, a bit more outspoken. So how did you get into training with Tyson in the, field, in the first place?
1: Um, so, at the time, at my MMA gym, at Team Carbon over in Liverpool, we didn't have any bigger guys training there at the time. So I needed some bigger guys to spar with. And my dad knows uh, Peter Fury, who's Tyson's uncle, who was his trainer at the time. I he just from him in it. We knew there was a few, well, my dad knew there was a few weights training there and stuff, so he just give Peter, a ring and then just said, "Look, it's all right if uh, someone comes down as a little spar." And he said, "Yeah, bring him down." And then uh, I, I wasn't expecting. Well, I, I wasn't I really thinking about it to be fair. I just turned up to spar and spar Tyson the first first day I was there, and it was good. It was good. We just went from there really. And then he had, I ended up having a boxing fight and stuff, and I enjoyed it.
0: Now that's um sort of thing I wanted to go into. Obviously being, you know, heavyweight, you know, heavy hitters and the rest of it. How do you find sparring in the gym normally? Because obviously you get the lighter guys normally either having quite quite hard sparring or or it's all relative, but how do you find being able to spar? Because obviously there's a bigger sort of power difference you see on I me. Mean.
1: Do you know what? Um, having lighter guys to spar with is very important as well. A lot, of, a lot of heavyweights don't want to spar with light guys, and I think that's a lot of bollocks, to be honest. Me, personally, I think I, I'm i not like bigging myself up here, but I think I'm the fastest weight in the world, and I can only say that because I spar with a lot of lighter guys as well. You've got to mix it up between light. Like, you need the heavy sparring because you're going to have a heavy guy throwing bombs at you, but you don't need the heavy sparring every day. You need to be doing rounds with light guys for speed and stuff like that as well. So, um, What was the question again? sorry
0: the question was more how do you spar with also with heavy guys how do you try to balance this out because obviously you need your own hard trainings but obviously the risk and reward is a lot greater of the heavier you get so it's more how do you train safe and train hard with these bigger guys
1: so i'll only i'll only really look for heavyweight sparring if i've got a fight coming up if i'm just like normally training i'll not i'll just spar with lighter guys pretty much all the time um but I do have a, a heavyweight training partner as well, so I do a lot of sparring with him. But uh, I think mixing it up with the two is good. You don't always want to spar with the same weight, I don't think. But a lot of people always look to if you're a heavyweight, they always look to spar heavyweights, nice, and I think you've got to mix it up between the two because at the same time you don't want to be taking heavyweight shots all year round. I don't think, and sparring and, and rolling with just heavy guys all all year round because you've got to hurt yourself. You got. I think there's a period. Uh, leading up to a fight and stuff, where you've got to train with heavyweights for sure, but it doesn't have to be like that all the time, in my opinion.
0: Well, this is where it gets quite interesting, because a lot of guys, including Darren Till, have said like your sort of movement and everything else, your sort of speed and being this fluid heavyweight, because normally with the heavyweights, you get quite one-dimensional guys, the heavy hitters, is one-punch KO, but it's almost uh, an industry standard. Whereas with you, you've got that extra level of mobility, extra sort of dynamic kind of, I want to say just skill set. This sort of versatile sort of range and all this kind of stuff, and on top of that, like you're grappling as well, like jiu-jitsu black. But how did that come about then? Did you? When did you start training in the gi?
1: Oh, I've always trained in the gi. Me, I've I've trained in the gi first before anything. So my dad's a black belt. Um, so I just did it through my dad basically. My dad was showing me techniques when I was like young really young so I've always it's always something that I've done like on and off is true. no I've always trained in the gi but I've never really like um, just trained in the gi do you know what I mean I've always mixed it up between no gi and gi but I've done gi like basically for as long as I can remember I love training the gi um, but it's not something that I do I'll, I'll always train gi like once or twice a week uh, if I've got a fight coming up otherwise I'll I'll do it a little bit more if if like I've not got a fight coming up or something like that but
0: uh, I think training the gi is very important. Do you train the gi? I do indeed. I'm, um, got two stripe blue belt. You know me.
1: Oh, nice, nice one, nice one. How often do you train the gi?
0: Well, at the minute, not a lot, but when um we're um up in action, about two three times a week. Depends on the timetable. Nice. Yeah. And since I started doing MMA, I tried to prioritize the no gi game because I love the sort of you know the fancy sort of stupid guards and having a bit of fun with all that kind of stuff. But yeah, MMA yeah. doesn't quite work the same. Doesn't quite translate.
1: Mm. Yeah, it's a. Uh... You do see the way I try and roll in the gi is I try and roll in the gi, but pretend like I've not got a gi on, if that makes sense. And the reason I'll do that is because I try and get the benefits of having the gi on without actually using the gi. If that makes sense, I I think that would doesn't really make sense. So basically, what I'm saying is like, if you get an armbar, for example, and you're very and you and you're sweating a lot, it's it's quite easy to pull your arm out of an armbar if you've not got a gi on. Whereas if you do have a gi on. It doesn't matter how sweaty you are. Your arm is fucking stuck, mate. So you have to, you have to get your arm out of that properly, the correct way. Now, the reason you need to do it the correct way is because if you're in a fight and you get an armbar and you can't slip your arm out, you need to know how to escape it properly. And that's what that's what the use the keys for, in my opinion.
0: Now, that kind of brings me on to my next point. The same sort of breath of sparring with lighter guys and all these different kind of environments and the way you can develop your sort of skill set as well because when it comes to again like the heavier guys it comes to rolling it seems again quite one-dimensional kind of heavy top pressure not a lot of versatility how do you find rolling the gi with different people do you try certain positions is it like your standard game just trying to keep it airtight what's your kind of
1: no i'm not i'm not much of a i don't i don't like to squash people too much if i can help it i like to try and I like to try and keep it pretty flowy, especially in the gi. You don't, I don't want to be like just on top squashing someone. Like I say, I'm I'm a lot bigger than most people anyway, so I just try and have fun rolls, you know. I just try and get in as many positions as I can in one roll. I'm not trying to just like like lay and pray someone and do nothing unless I'm fucking really tired. So otherwise, I'll just I'll just flow and just try and, and play different positions and stuff like that. But again, very important that you're rolling with lighter people because you learn how to how to flow properly and. Not just have some. I lie on you, and you lie on me. Rolling. It's it's got to be like experience as much positions as you can. In my opinion, anyway.
0: That's it. you can't be having cuddles too often. You might get to, you might start falling in love. Yeah, that's
1: true. That's true.
0: <laughs> no eye contact. We know the rules. Um, but with um, so you you've got quite an interesting CV. Regards of your you know pro boxing and pro MMA. How come you transitioned between the two?
1: So at the time that I switched to boxing, um. I did that because I was just struggling getting regular matches in MMA. Um, I can't remember exactly. Yeah, I was just, I was just struggling uh, to get matches. I kept having a lot of pull-outs and stuff. The heavyweight scene in this country is not very big at all. So I was just struggling getting matches, and that was the time that I was sparring down with the Furies a lot and stuff, and they just said, look, why don't you just have a little go boxing and see how it goes? So I, did, I just did, basically. But that, that was a lot of messing about, that boxing. Because they didn't want to give me a license because I was an MMA fighter. That's a long story. That I'll cut that short. But well. basically, what happened was they just didn't want to give me a license. So they took me like nearly a year just to um, just to fight, and then I had the one fight, and then decided that I wanted to go back to MMA.
0: So with that, then what was your? How did you treat boxing as such? Was it like, oh, this is what I'm going to give you a good go of, or something to do just for the sake of it for the time being?
1: What no, no. Your... At the time, at the time, I wanted to. I was kind of open to it, you know. I, I wanted to, because uh, obviously, with, with uh, sparring down at the Furies and that, there was a lot of good guys sparring, um, and I was, I was sparring with like world level guys all the time, and I, would know I, would, obviously, I'd, I'd be doing all right. So I thought, fucking hell, am I might... I might just do boxing for a bit, you know, see what the money's like and stuff. But it turns out the money's not the best if uh, you don't have an amateur background. So that's when I decided to go back to MMA because, um, to be honest with you, I don't love boxing like I love MMA. So if I'm if I'm not getting paid well and I don't, I'm not enjoying it as much, then what's the point?
0: Well, that was what I was kind of going to get into a little bit because obviously these sort of transitions. And um, with boxing, the... Tr- then how do I explain it people with a boxing background go into are going to MMA and normally like nah grappling and you know, all this is too hard we we'll do boxing it's you know could do those rounds and get paid a lot more it's a lot I'd say safer for lack of a better word but that kind of you're in. and also when it comes to you know the four ounces there's a lot less room for error and I was going my real point with this was how come you got into MMA in the first place because obviously starting in Jiu Jitsu what was your transition to MMA what was your introduction to that
1: uh, so it was just—it's just what I always wanted to do. To be fair, it was never like oh, I was just doing jiu-jitsu. So I did jiu-jitsu. I, I can't even remember what it—it it was in. You know, it was that young. I basically did everything and competed in everything. So I did Thai had some Thai fights. Did boxing, amateur boxing. Had a couple of amateur fights. Um, did jiu-jitsu, competed in that. Wrestled, did that. And then it was just like inevitable that that's the way that I wanted to go. Do you know what I mean? It—it it wasn't like a big decision, like a big build-up to it. It was always just like. I'm going to be in the UFC. I'm going to be UFC heavyweight champion, and this is the way it's going to work. So that, that's basically what we did. It wasn't like a big uh, transitional period or anything like that. It was just like when I was old enough, I started fighting MMA.
0: I mean, so far, so good now being in the UFC. I mean, everything's on um, on course. How did you... um? You say about also overthinking and having fun with it. How did you... What was your... When you went pro... How did you feel going into those sort of fights? So you Say your pro debut regardless of, at that point were you having fun with it or were you still giving uh, it the no. weight of the world?
1: I've always had fun with it. Do you know what I mean? I've mm. always loved MMA from before I even fought. Um, it was just that I put a lot of see the thing the thing with me is right I've always been good and being good comes pressure to show everyone how good you are. But now i realize it doesn't really matter what anyone else thinks does it even like let's just enjoy it so yeah i felt pressure don't get me wrong you'll never stop feeling pressure and nerves and all that i actually enjoy that bit but it was getting to the point where i was like i was i almost wasn't enjoying it because because of it you know what i mean mm. I, I was young i was proper young i was like 21 or something you know what i mean it's hard, it's hard to be a professional athlete fighting another guy Fully grown men at my weight as well. When you're 21, 22, or whatever I was.
0: Well, this is it as well. When you're a professional that young, how did you find staying disciplined throughout the whole like training up to that and staying active? Because obviously, you know, being a young lad, you're going to be have your distractions, have your mates, and all the rest of it. What was your, what what gave you that? I don't know that real drive to stay in the gym and stay, you know, disciplined.
1: Do you know what? I don't know. <laughs> you know, I ju- I just um. I can't really describe it. I just know, right? I'm not, I'm not like a cocky guy or anything. Like I'm, I, I just know that one day I'm going to be UFC champion. I just know it, and it's just like I've always known it. I don't know why, but that's just, that's just what I feel. People, some people might call me crazy or whatever, but it's just, it's never been an issue to fa- sacrifice anything for me. It's not been a problem to, um, you know, avoid distractions or anything like that. Because I'm going to be UFC champion. Do you know what I mean? That, that's what I've always thought. Anyway, I don't know. I might be bonkers. Who knows? That, that's honestly what I believe.
0: Well, this is it as well. I guess if you've got that kind of, not just belief, but that almost certainty, it almost fulfills itself. Because if you're unsure about what you're doing, that's where you start letting distractions in and letting these things get in the way. But I guess if you're adamant, like, you know, the grass is green, you're going to be UFC champ. There's no... Two ways about it.
1: Yeah, of course I've had moments where, like, I've gone partying and stuff, and I've wanted to do other stuff. But that's just life, isn't it? Mm. You know what I mean? You've got to, you've got to explore other stuff. But in the back of my mind, for some reason, I'm just convinced that I can do it. I don't know why. Uh, I think a lot of conversations with my dad, a lot of conversations with my coach. I, I'm just—we're we're all convinced of it. Honestly.
0: So when you got the call to get in the UFC then, how far out did you know from it was announced?
1: Um, I can't remember when it was announced to be honest. Uh, basically, I knew the day after or two days after um, my last cage warriors fight. I knew. So I'd, I think it was like a few weeks or maybe even a couple of months until it was announced. I can't remember exactly, but it was a while. It was a while. But um, yeah, it was, quite, it was quite a while before other people knew, I think. It's probably about five
0: six weeks you think yeah your last cage war fight is terrifying <laughs> you just see mate boy drop like a sack of spuds it's horrible but the one before that is the one that's really given like giving me nightmares it's like um Anderson yeah, silver that. yeah that was rough what was it like in there when it happened did you even realize what happened until like you know?
1: yeah no i realized straight away uh, you know we had uh, a shin clash obviously mm. um and it It just felt like a normal shin clash. Shin clashes are pretty miserable at the best of times, you know what I mean? Mm. Even, I don't know, I don't know if my shins are a bit weak or something. I thought they were until that, (laughs) but now I'm thinking, oh, I don't know, maybe I've got hard shins. (laughs) But even like when when i kicked and they've blocked it, that still hurts. Um, And then when people have kicked me and I've blocked it, it still hurts a a bit as well. So he he kicked, obviously i blocked it. Um, And it just felt like a normal a normal clash, but the sound of it was different to normal Um, and then obviously he tried to stand back on it and it just folded underneath him it just wasn't it just were not a nice situation to be in mate to be honest it just weren't very nice
0: well it doesn't sound very nice it sounds like I don't know but bittersweet almost that you okay you're coming here for your fight to win and then when it happens in that way it's a bit like oh that's just not really yeah I didn't,
1: didn't enjoy that one because it was pretty early in the fight as well I think it was only a couple of minutes in um I was I was just like finding my range to be honest. And then I felt like I had him going pretty good. because um, he started reacting to me feints and stuff like that. And uh I felt like I was gonna knock him out to be fair and then um that happened and it, it just weren't nice. I didn't I didn't enjoy that one. That that was my least enjoyable fight I think.
0: Yeah, probably for him as well.
1: Yeah, I would <laughs> imagine so yeah. Yeah, he's a nice guy though. We speak we still speak and stuff.
0: That's fair enough. I mean, they have always had that kind of respect and kind of decorum as well. I think that's a real reason people warm to you as well is because, you know, everyone wants to be the best of the best but it's how you sort of hold yourself outside of that as well as how people are going to, you know, perceive you because, you know, it, as much as you shouldn't give much weight to what people think and stuff, it's good to, you know, know you've been respected and know people acknowledge your integrity of this kind of thing.
1: Yeah, I mean, it is nice, yeah. It's definitely nice but I think people hold too much weight on that, you know. It's like getting people to like them. And shit, you know, you you've just gotta be yourself. Don't fucking try and act like someone else. And you get a lot of people like that these days, especially with social media and all that stuff. You know what I mean? Just, I've been guilty of it myself in the past. It's, again, it's difficult when you're a young man in it, and you've got all these people on Instagram acting different ways, and you're trying to be a professional athlete and be like them. But just, just be yourself, and people will like you. For you. The right people will like you for you only. I think the people who you attract will be. The right ones you don't want to be acting like someone else and attracting fake people as well
0: well this is like the was it the emperor's new clothes kind of thing This kind of a status is just sort of it's a bit of a facade almost that yes you are this big deal because everyone's saying it is but what does that actually well, it's not tangible you can't see it you can't feel it it's just there because everyone says it is and if you if the ufc disappeared tomorrow and may never existed then what you're still the same person but you've then got this Excellent. extra weight you've given yourself
1: definitely i agree I, I mean i've literally got people around me still who have uh, been around me since the first day that i started training and they will be around me till the last day that i start training as well Do you know what i mean i'm not interested in any new people or anything like that Do you know what i mean it's you got to be you got to be on it for people like that you you have to be like um it's like you say, you start getting bigger and that start getting well more well known, and people try and latch onto you. And you've got to you've got to be careful. You've got to make sure you have the right people around you as well to warn you of people like that. I think.
0: So, how did you get into the Calvin in the first place? Because you're from Manchester, aren't you? And he's Liverpool. How come you transitioned? Yeah.
1: So, So, um, it's kind of a difficult question for me that because it's kind of been as long as I can remember basically so my dad he was training jiu-jitsu at at the time this was how long ago it was when there was basically no mats anywhere to train oh god so he he knew I think someone he knew knew Colin who owns owns Cowboy in Liverpool and he used to go up there to roll like him and his mate used to go up to roll and then he met Colin uh, that way and then my dad kind of seen what Colin was doing with the tie box and stuff, and the MMA was like just starting then. And then I think my dad just kind of like it was inevitable. They they became friends then. My dad and Colin, um, it was kind of like right, if you want to do MMA, like this is where to go. And it just went that way. I think it was just like that was where I was going to go. That's where I was going to start things off, and that's how it worked.
0: So without obviously saying too much. What do you think it is about Calvin that's producing these kind of level of guys? So obviously, you're Darren Tills, your Terry Sims and yourself and Mike Grundy's.
1: It's quite hard for me to say that because I've never trained anywhere else. I've sparred a lot of other places, sparred a lot of different people, but uh, in my opinion, it's, it's just disciplined. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And I think that the coaches work quite well um, with fighters individually. Do you know what I mean? It's not it's not just like right, this is what we're doing. And obviously we've got a good team and everything. We've got a really good team but um it's more for me, Colin's always Colin and my dad and, and Mike Grundy and my wrestling coach as well. They've always like uh spoke to me like an individual, not just part of the team. And I think it's don't get me wrong, we're very team orientated as well. But they've always um I feel like we've all got a good relationship on like a personal level as well, as well as like a just a you listen to me kind of level. It's more like you know we, we chat and we're friends outside of the gym as well. Yeah, it's that's definitely. What I think. But we, I think I think to answer it in short, I think it's the discipline. You know, Colin has everyone in the gym very disciplined, and uh, we all train at the same time to make sure that you're on time and you put the work in, and we're all about team and and uh, and that's it. Yeah. About that,
0: and you know, obviously, the coaching there is just second to none as well. I mean, it can't be too bad if you're getting all these guys in the UFC. I mean, you must be doing something right, but on top of that, anyway, a lot of it comes down to again the whole difference between a coach and a trainer it's someone who invests in a person and makes their style work for them. You know, you guys can work together because this is ultimately what it is they can give all the information in the world, but unless you can you know connect and get the most out of it, it's only Good for yeah, some no, knowledge. I agree.
1: I agree. There's loads of people who can hold pads and shit like that, but it's not just about that. It's a lot about the mental aspects as well. A lot of people don't understand that. Like I say, you've got. I think you've got to know your coach. But for me personally, I could not just go and train with someone I don't know. Like it's not, it's not going to work. I ain't going to listen to him unless I respect him. I'm not going to listen to him. I'm just going to do my own thing. So um, we all have. Well, me per- I can't say for the other lads, but I have a personal relationship. with Colin, a personal relationship with Mike and obviously a personal relationship with my dad as well. So they all know me really well, and I know them really well as well. So uh, if they tell me to do something, I'm doing it. And I'm not questioning it, you know what I mean? So I don't I don't know how you, other people don't have that with the coaches.
0: Definitely. Um, one question really for me with this is when obviously Darren really started picking up sort of superstardom and then there was a lot more cameras in the gym, did you see much of a change in the way things were being run or things being, you know... So the way classes were, that kind of atmosphere, anything?
1: that that's not that's not happening in action. Do you know what I mean? It's like, Colin is very strict. And if the cameras are in the way, he'll literally just say, fuck off out of the way. Like, it won't be. The, the training and the team comes first, not the cameras and, and whatever else. Everyone's treated the same on the match, do you know what I mean? Whether it's your first day or you're a UFC, you're like top 10 UFC fighter everyone's treated exactly the same so uh, it's got nothing to do for me I, cameras have always been in the gym anyway because we all before like Till and all that we had like Etim Sass um, you know all, that, all them guys were in the gym so uh, cameras have always been around we've always had like top level guys training in the gym so it's, it's nothing really new that
0: with um, I'm obviously I don't want just again this is one of those questions you know how anytime time Edson Barbosa fights, that highlight of Etim's always been used how has he been since that became such a viral thing, has he been able to train the same, has it really affected much in the gym or has he got on with it? See I
1: think he's, I think he's retired now, anyway so um, he just comes and trains like uh, kind of really really likes sporadically. so uh, it's not th- something that I've ever spoken to him about to be fair but like you say it is played a lot so must play on his mind but i'm not gonna not gonna
0: ask him about it i was gonna say i wouldn't rush to it's more just uh if it was something he was quite open about obviously i don't want you to speak out of you know on behalf of him if you're it's not appropriate but you know it's one of those things that if you're around someone that often and that's something that prominent in the sport it's just it's one of those sort of questions um a few other things i wanted to get into obviously you've went tried professional boxing in its own right And you've got your jiu-jitsu background. Would you ever consider doing like grappling matches, like a Polaris kind of thing?
1: Yeah, yeah, I would do. Yeah, I've actually, uh, I've won the British Open at every belt, apart from black belt. Believe it or not. Yeah. In the gi, I won it a white. I won it as a as a yellow belt, as a white belt kid, and then as a yellow belt, then as a white belt adult, and a blue belt, and a purple belt, then a brown belt. I just not won it a black. So I need to. I'd like to do that. To be fair, at some point. Um, I'd like to win the British Open in the Geek, but I'm, I think I'm a bit rusty for these guys in the gi now I think I'd have to train in the gi for a little bit yeah I'd, be, I'd definitely be interested in that I, I'd like a grapple I, I'd enjoy that I think I've never actually been to um, do you know like a like a grappling show obviously mm. I've been to comps and stuff but you know like a, a Polaris style show where it's just grappling and it's more like an event as opposed to a competition I've never been to one of them I'd like to go
0: yeah the ones at the O2 are really good fun like um because you got like, the bar and everything, it's a lot more. I don't know. It becomes like a pub fight almost. Everyone's sort of like you know cheering and sort of jeering and that. Whereas jujitsu comps are a lot more. I don't know. Sweating a lot more stressful. But it's a different kind. Yeah, of a bit shit,
1: jiu-jitsu comps aren't they? Oh, jujitsu comps are shit. Treadful. Yeah, they're so boring, man. Yeah, I'd like to go because they had the Polaris on uh, last year when I went to the old two uh, when I went to the UFC at the old two. But um I didn't end up going. I didn't end up going. So. But I my mean, mate when He said it
0: was. He said it was good. Yeah, it's a good experience, especially like I don't know. It's way more tense watching it live. I can't help but feel because people say watching grappling is boring, and it can be, I guess, on face value. But if you're watching like high level like grapplers and like leg lockers and stuff, it's pretty like edge of your seat kind of. Is it going to pop? Are they going to get out? Those kind of moments. It's horrible, but that's what you want to watch. This
1: was yeah, I, was I think I'd enjoy it. You know, I think I'd enjoy it. Sorry, go on.
0: So, would you prefer to do gi or no gi if you were to do that kind of thing?
1: I'm not bothered. A grappling, a grappling match isn't a big deal for me, mate. I, I'm not really that bothered. I, I'm easy with that.
0: So I'm not sure it was like a preference kind of thing, because obviously, being a black belt in the gi, but also primarily being no gi in the MMA sort of orientation. I'm not sure if you'd be had a preference either side
1: might just throw the gear on and have an mma fight like Hoyce gracie style
0: oh that's what you want or <laughs> we'll have a little sambo job like I, you jacking I'd, like right.
1: a, I'd like to have a i, I wonder how that would go you know what i'd like to do i don't know i once had like to do it but something that's interested me more and more is like that burn knuckle stuff i don't i still don't know how i feel about it i keep watching it thinking do i like it or do i not Do you know what i mean it's a bit like fucking barbaric in it but then Soul's mma
0: well, this is where I was going so to get, I don't get to, really, is because obviously your transition with your boxing and also in MMA with the four-ounce gloves is how did you find that transition and then the follow-up was going to be would you consider doing that kind of thing?
1: You know, that was all right because what do you mean switching from boxing back to MMA?
0: Yeah, the big gloves to the little gloves.
1: Oh, that was fine. I was already I already had like fucking 15, 15 MMA fights, so it not a big deal, do you know what I mean? I'd only been in boxing for like a year or something so it was be pretty easy switch back but I don't know about bare knuckles though don't know about that I wonder how that would be
0: give them um, a left way a go you know with the headbutts and all that sort of um, bare knuckle boy <laughs> no.
1: no that's a step too far a step too far for me but I don't know I wonder I- I- I've wondered like what the difference is getting hit by like um a bare knuckle an MMA glove I've been hit by bare knuckles before obviously in like brawls and that but that's by people who, like, don't really know how to punch. Do you know what I mean? Mm. If you get someone who knows how to punch properly with a bare knuckle or an MMA glove on, does it feel the same or not? I don't know. Hopefully, I'll not find out. Oh, don't is anyone, Any MMA fighters that, like, having a scrap with me and just punching me. I don't know. But it's pretty interesting, isn't it? Because what I'd like to see in the bare knuckle, I know they've done that poly- holy malignage and all that, but get, like, a proper on-form boxer without gloves. That's what I'd like to see.
0: Well again. You know what I mean not
1: it... like that That Malinagi's okay anybody. He's fucking he's not fought for about 10 years
0: <laughs> well this is the tricky thing because what you'd want to see is the best of the best boxers going into this but then it needs the money to justify them doing it because they'd get a lot more doing it with the gloves and all the padding and the rest of it so it's trying to make it get the incentive really imagine Floyd Mayweather <laughs> in the um, even like four ounces and nothing else that'd be in itself a lot more interesting
1: you know, I think boxers are all—they're pretty overconfident boxers, I think, with how things have gone. In my opinion, anyway, because I don't know. I think a lot of boxers think that they'll fare well in, in MMA, and they just fucking won't, mate. It's just not going to happen. Uh, I, I was on the when I got a brain scan. I won't say who it is because it's a pretty well-known boxer, but in the in the place, sure, um, like at the brain scan place. Yeah, Joe Bloggs. Joe Bloggs was in there. And I'd never met him before or anything. But he didn't know who I was. I knew who he was, though. And he said, oh. Uh, he, he was asking me about boxing. And I said, oh, I'm not a boxer. I said, I've had one fight, but um, I, I'm, an MMA fight. I, I'm an MMA fighter. And he said, oh, I'd be good at that MMA. He said, uh, got a good uppercuts. And I was like, OK. Uh, well, what okay. do you mean? OK. He said, <laughs> and he said, <laughs> like, uh. Oh yeah, when when they like try and take you down, just like give them an uppercut. I was like, you know, oh my god, what what do I even? I didn't even. I was just like, oh, nice one, yeah. I didn't even know. So, what what I didn't think of that. Breath.
0: Yeah, you saved my career. Wow, cheers. I'm in mean, the OC now, thanks. Yeah, for I that.
1: Start, <laughs> I start throwing more uppercuts. Yeah. I don't know. I I think a lot of boxers like that though. They think that boxing's, is like the ultimate um, hard thing to do. We don't get wrong, boxing is very hard. Someone's hmm. punching you nonstop, but. Hey, throw a few leg kicks in there and see how you get on.
0: You have have someone lay on
1: you for five minutes when you can't get them off. That is rough. That is really rough. And they don't understand how rough that is, a lot of boxers.
0: If you watch, um was it Shannon Briggs with his kickboxing fights? I think it was him. You just see his legs just getting absolutely ripped to pieces. And it's just like, it's so underappreciated how devastating leg kicks really are and how much they can wear on you. And it feels like lead. It's just hell. Yeah,
1: God. absolutely. Uh, absolutely, Rex getting kicked in the leg at the time it still hurts uh, but it's not as bad because you, you've got adrenaline and stuff but a couple of hours after you proper start to get a dead leg when you've had a few kicks there uh.
0: so I've got a couple of um, questions from Instagram I think you know, some of your mates are having a laugh I think um... no go on which had, fr- you know what I had a
1: few people message me a few people message me right And was like some fucking guy messaged me like lots of mad questions I was like oh, mate, just don't just send it to the guy send it to the podcast guy don't send it to me
0: go for this which of his friends has the best hair transformation and why is it Ryan Mansell
1: <laughs> oh that guy uh, <laughs> he used to have long hair him. he used to have long hair and now he's he's got it cut off um don't know, but I I have some top secret information on on her trans, on her transformations, and you might be seeing it soon. It's not me, but it, it's a it's a very close UFC fighter to me who's bald, and he said when he fights, he's uh he's going to have a transplant when he's got the money. I won't Does say anything else, but he's a very close MMA fighter to me.
0: Does his name run with Knight Grundy? <laughs> might do, <He> might do. <laughs> <laughs> well you sort of touched this earlier but how is it holding down when how's it holding down a family when fighting in the ufc as a real lifestyle change and a change in lifestyle in general
1: uh, it's not a changing lifestyle it's the same as i've always had. i've always trained uh, pretty much full-time done bits of work it's easier now because i don't have to work really i do like teach a few privates and do a few pts and that but i used to have to work on the door and that and Go and do PTs in the gym and get any any money that I could. You know what I mean. When I wasn't so, it, it's actually quite a bit easier now. um You know what? Professional athletes can't complain for the life that they have. You know what I mean? There's people out there busting their balls, mate, digging up roads, working in factories, and doing all that, and then trying to hold down a family as well. I can't complain about nothing. You know what I mean? I've got got a good, healthy family, living the dream. I ain't complaining.
0: That's really good having that kind of perspective on the whole situation. And now we touched on something there. I wanted to get into is working on the doors and also being a you know, professional box, a professional boxer, professional fighter. How did you find dealing with sort of confrontation in that sense? Because obviously you've got a lot more I don't know experience, but a lot more to lose. I kind of feel obviously if you get you know caught by having a scrapping and someone gets hurt, obviously it can tarnish your opportunities. I could imagine.
1: Um, to be honest, I I worked in a good bar. To be fair. Uh, I worked on a really good bar and so there weren't much trouble um, but any time there was I'm not really into like a, I'm not really into con- I don't really like confrontation anyway to be fair so yeah, I was all, I would naturally try and diffuse it anyway it, it would never I'm not like really like a, an angry guy or like a hothead or anything so I wouldn't go in swinging if someone called me a dickhead or something like that do you know what I mean I, I, I'd naturally try and, and diffuse it anyway but I didn't get in too many. It's mostly shouting and screaming. You know what I mean. Working on the doors and stuff. People shouting at you. And I was always kind of the nice guy, anyway. So I didn't get in too much trouble, to be fair. So that was all right.
0: Always eleven I was fire. Some...
1: Yeah, well, <laughs> don't know about that. But <laughs> I, uh, it was, a, it was a good bar, really. I worked in Wigan, which is a pretty rough place, mate. So, um, right like next door, like someone got their nose bit off. Someone else got like, excuse me, glassed. Someone, yeah. So someone actually, to be fair, someone actually got killed in in the bar that I worked at, but I weren't working that day. Someone got knocked out and then he started like stamping on his head and that, and um, killed him. So maybe it wasn't that nice the bar. <laughs> I was gonna say it sound very I, friendly. <laughs> most of the time when I was work, it was a rebs, it was a revolution. So they're usually alright, are aren't they?
0: As a rule, yeah. Um, wow um, that's but, like yeah, that's yeah, like a yeah. turn isn't it <laughs> um,
1: yeah yeah it was, it's it I, I think I'm contradicting myself most of the time it right
0: like, yeah might wait but we'll, we'll move on swiftly from that um, Phil Shedden has asked if he can shove your head after lockdown
1: nope I'm growing it growing it it's wet at the minute but when it's not wet I just had a shower but when it's not wet it's a bit of an afro all that so I'm just keeping it going keeping it going new look
0: Ooh, new year new me and all this new quarantine um, got a few more. If you weren't a fighter, where what career would you reckon you'd have taken?
1: I think I thought about this for a fair bit, to be honest. I think I'd I'd like to be a fireman. I think not right now, obviously. But I think yeah. that's what I would have done. Something like that. Some something like semi-physical. Uh, you know, respectable and that. And I don't know something like that. Oh, you know, I'd like to have a career like helping people one of my good mates is a doctor and obviously he's helping people every day and stuff like that would be good I think it's pretty rewarding in it rather than just I wouldn't like want to work in an office or some work I'm not one for manual labour mate I don't know people do you know what though do you know what I hate I hate authority so I couldn't can't deal with having people talk down to me and stuff like that I, I just wouldn't just doesn't I just don't accept it you know like A lot of people have bosses who speak down to them. I just don't accept it, mate. That's why I don't fare well like a normal job.
0: Do you think that's why when you were doing the doors, you were a lot more kind and understanding instead of, you know, I am the big I am, you do what I say kind of thing?
1: In what sense? Understanding like
0: what? So instead of like, you know, trying to get involved with the confrontation, you try and disarm it, that kind of perspective. So instead of trying to have a status of being, you know, security guard and officer, all your martial arts sort of credentials, you were then trying to diffuse it like a normal person as such.
1: Um, well, a couple of my mates who I worked with on the Doors, they were proper like angry bastards. So I think I just naturally tried to diffuse it anyway because they weren't trying to defuse it. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? <laughs> like that, that, I think that was a, one of the main reasons. But I don't. I just naturally like that. I'm not. I don't really like confrontation. And I don't really like bigging myself up, being like, "Oh, I'm the big I am" and stuff. Do you know what I mean? If, mm. if people, if, you, if you're good at something, you shouldn't have to big yourself up. That's I what see. I think, anyway. Definitely. You shouldn't. You shouldn't have to like have this. Oh, look at me! I'm brilliant. I'm loud and I'm cocky and all that. But you know what I mean? People should just know if you're good at something.
0: Well, that's what people shout about it for you. Um two things. First of all, the most controversial question on the podcast. Are you ready for this? It's going to be a bad one, Nick. not it? on. It's a good thing, you're sitting down. What is your post-fight food? What do you go for after a big fight? This can divide an audience. This is like, you know, important stuff.
1: It's controversial, this, talking well, about food.
0: Dep- well, I going to sort of wind you up a little bit, trying to you know, catch you off guard. Uh, <laughs> see, do
1: you know what? I don't... I've only just recently started eating clean, to be fair. When I got in the UFC, it was like, right look, I need to start being a last athlete now and like looking after my body a bit. I've always trained hard, but i have never—I've always ate hard as well. <laughs> um, I don't know. I'd probably go for like a, you know what, a chippy for me is one of the ultimate things you can get. If you get like chips, fish and gravy, or something like that, or. Just like something basic, just, just simple, like a pizza. You know what I mean? If you just mm. get a, a good pizza, you just cracked it, I think. Pizza and a beer, something like that. Or you can't beat the chippy, though. I've got a really good chippy close to me, and it's just like walking distance. Walk up the road, fiver, come back with a massive meal. You fall that for, for ages. You know what I mean? It's not. You go to all these fancy places and stuff, pay like 50 quid. Right? Go to the chippy. <laughs> right, spend is the any? fiver. Fish, chips, and gravy, you're buzzing with that. I am, anyway.
0: I'm getting excited just talking about it. Um, and final one.
1: It's actually open, you know. It's actually reopened, that chippy. Is it? With the social distancing in place. Yeah, yeah it's reopened. So I went the other day. I went, it was about a week ago, I got a kebab. It was awesome.
0: For anyone absolutely listening, awesome. what? Tom has just got the biggest smile on his face as soon as we start talking about it. Everything else was whatever, but that, <laughs> he just lit up. No, <laughs> like I do good food, I
1: absolutely. <laughs> if I didn't train, I'd be about 150 kilo, and I'm You're not strong, over-exaggerating. Man. I actually think I'd, I think I'd hit 150 kilo no problem. I've got them natural uh, hefty jeans, I think. For some hefty reason. It's Why, just... what about you? What, what would you? what would your food be?
0: Oh, it kind of depends a lot, but it's got to be like a proper like curry or a proper greasy pizza or something like that. Like Anything like loads of salt and like more savoury than sweet, I think. Something like that. Oh, you
1: don't you don't like sweet food?
0: I do like sweet, but I think you need to get that big savoury in sort of thing. Because obviously with the weight cuts, because I'm not sure how your weight cuts are if you necessarily no, they, cut. They,
1: they don't exist. Why? How much weight do
0: you cut? I'm quite a lanky string bean, so I'm about 6'2". I walk around about 75 and I fight 66 so my cut's that's
1: really, that's really tall isn't it for uh, Beaver, 66 yeah. kilo Jesus yeah I've so done... you say you fight, fight at 62 a bantam
0: weight 66 so
1: oh I'll... sorry fight featherweight yeah still it's tall though isn't it it's really tall
0: yeah it's one of them ones like when it it's a bit of a heavy cut but when I do it's not too bad but
1: how much how much water do you got?
0: last time I was 71 night like, before weighing so about 4 or 5 kilo
1: how do you feel like that how do you think I feel after that, <laughs> oh, oh man? I uh I cut weight twice, you know. Me, me first. Uh, so I had a tie. I had a tie fight, and I had to cut weight for that. Um, and then I can't remember what I oh, did. I I can't remember. I, I had to cut weight twice anyway. I don't know if the first two fights were. Uh, I think my first two amateur fights were at light heavy, and I made it the first time. And the second time, I got to like ninety six, and I, I, <laughs> I couldn't make it. I couldn't make it so we had to agree the weight on uh, 96 I was like 3 kilo off but I I was just like I had a bit of time in between the first and the second fight and uh, i just grown you know what I mean i just like I think I was like 18 i just like I was just bigger I was just bigger so I just No, no, I I stopped I stopped sweating you know I, I stopped sweating I got to like 96 kilo and I didn't give up or anything I just wouldn't sweat anymore it's proper weird but I'm not and that day I just said, you know what, I'm not quite a light heavy anymore. I still think I could. I don't know if I could make light heavy, though. I I, I think I could. But I could only do it once. Just say you know I mean? did I mean, it. I don't know, my natural weight, you know, it's like 120 kilo. Naturally.
0: It's like two of me, that's mental.
1: Yeah, I'm like, I'm a big guy, though. I am like 6'5", six, 6'6". Six, six. I'm just big. And I'm, you know, just one of them people who's just like... <laughs> Not saying I've got loads of muscle or loads of fat. I'm just big.
0: This is it. Kids come up, start bullying your kids, like, "Oh, my dad's bigger than your dad." Well, my dad's six foot five, hundred and twenty kilos in the UFC. I think my dad's bigger than your dad. Yeah, I, I, <laughs> I, uh, I mean, this is six
1: foot as well. So, they are gonna have some big kids, I reckon. I was Hopefully, say. I hope so. I'll get them into basketball or something. Something that you don't have to like get punched in the head or stacking them really know. high shelves or something like that. I, I don't know. the so, <laughs> so, so easier spot amazing sport in MMA I don't know it's so tough on the body in MMA sometimes it's just like oh my god give me a day off here. get on a team sport where you can just slack a bit for a day oh
0: that's it get no like one's, netball no or something one's
1: really watch- yeah no one's <laughs> watching you just like crack on and no, no one's
0: really that asked. So just sit on the bench or whatever but that's the point as well obviously being you know a bigger guy and the sort of the wear on your joints and everything else how do you find that do you do a lot of recovery stuff
1: I've recently started doing re- mate honestly until uh, you drinking a beer there
0: ah monster energy drink
1: Oh, I was getting jealous then. Oh, I'm gonna to have to
0: get one. I to be professional. Um, don't worry, I'll do. <laughs> we'll make up for that afterwards. Do you
1: know? Uh, I've only recently started looking after my body. To be honest, I was the, I, the way I saw it. Right, I'd always train hard. I'd never had a problem with my training. Outside the gym is where I had my problems because I like partying, I like staying up late, I like drinking, I like eating shit. Um, Four to yeah well I was a full time no I always thought right as long as you trade hard you're alright but then when I like got to the UFC and that I was like right I actually need to start like living like an athlete here so for me, fight for my last fight I like dieted the whole not dieted but clean the whole time supplements and all that stretching uh, massages got a massage going and everything and uh, actually like looked after my body and the difference in me and that last training count was massive even now I'm stretching every day since, since we've been on lockdown, mate, I've, my flexibility has come on a lot, a lot. Honestly, I was proper stiff before, and I've been stretching like three, four times a day, and I just feel so much better for it. I'm going to keep that up, because you, you have to look after your body. But I'm only young. I don't have a lot of miles on the clock yet, so it's hard to give anyone advice or put out there that I'm some kind of genius when it comes to recovery and looking after my body, because I'm only 26, 27, so... Um, Sorry, it's only just been my birthday. I forgot I was 27. <laughs> Happy birthday. So, um, thanks. It was about a month ago now. But, yeah, um, what I was saying is it's just like I can't like act like I'm some kind of recovery and joint expert when I'm only, I've only had like not many fights, so I can't say anything yet, really.
0: Well, it's more for advice for other sort of heavyweights and stuff. And obviously, well, one thing I wanted to touch on there is obviously that big change in your diet and your training everything else regards the performance did you feel like you in there because you feel used to a certain feeling used to a certain i don't know the way you eat and everything else to then change that all completely
1: it's hard to say really because i didn't actually fight did i oh,
0: yeah. the full training
1: camp but the, the fight got cancelled like five days before so it's hard to say at that point but i was feeling good when i was training and stuff i was feeling like decent um i messed up my calories a little bit first i wasn't having enough calories so i was feeling pretty fucked then um but I started having more calories then and got it all sorted and I was feeling good, I was feeling really good. But I think also what a lot of people need to remember is like you can't just train during training camps. You have to train all the time. Doesn't have to be fight training, doesn't have to be hard training. But you have to train for like see me personally, I think I'm a really, really athletic heavyweight, really athletic for a heavyweight. I move really well. I'm very fast for an heavyweight. I'm quite nimble on my feet and stuff, my footwork's good because that's what I work on when I'm not training for my fight, when I'm training for my fight I'm sparring doing pad work, doing all the hard stuff when I'm not doing that I'm working on my athletic ability as well, don't get me wrong I'm working on it during a fight camp as well but when you're sparring every day or most days, you're grappling hard every day and all that kind of stuff you're not um, so much focusing on your athletic ability so you have to focus on that outside training camps I think
0: so regards to that side of things where do you get your influence for that and like your information are you got like sp- people you sort of research is it stuff you've done independently is it a coach you've got where have you got that kind of
1: a uh, bit of everything really a bit of everything i think uh my dad is a massive influence in it he never takes credit for it either but he is because he had me doing a lot of stuff when i was really young when i was developing that i still like sticks with me to this day, do you know what I mean? I can do stuff that lots of heavyweights can't do because they're just not athletic enough, which my dad had me doing it. I think if you do stuff young, it's a lot easier for you, isn't it? Like, if you fl- if you do gymnastics, for example, when you're between the age of 10 and 14, and you don't do anything until you're 25, you'll get flexible a lot easier than someone who's never been flexible before. So I think a lot of it's down to... Uh, what my dad and, and my other coaches had me doing from like a young age as well is that i never got treated like i was a heavyweight even though i was even though i am obviously it was always just like right you just crack on with this same as the featherweights and i think that's been a massive thing for
0: me it does make sense because again it's almost a self-fulfilling prophecy of okay you're a heavyweight you should be stiff you should just be powerful and that's the end of that Whereas if you haven't put yourself in that box, you then open yourself up to different possibilities and different avenues almost and sort of give more dimensions you to got, your game. you got
1: to remember, when I, when I first started training, I wasn't 6'5", 120 kilos. Do you know what I mean? I was fucking five foot eight and Big guys lying on me and squashing me and having to use proper technique to get up. And I have to have all these different experiences that heavyweights most of the time don't have. Like, say a lot of heavyweights just have. Right, I'm just going to squash you and don't know what to do when they get put on the back because you've never been there. Right, I'm just going to throw these massive punches at you and don't know what to do when punches are coming back at them. But I've not, I've, I've like, seen both sides of the coin, which a lot of heavyweights haven't, I don't think, anyway.
0: Well, definitely. Um, one last question before I let you go advice to other heavyweights you'd give now? So other people training now, either amateur, professional, like light heavyweights to heavyweights, like big guys, to be your better training partners and get more out of their sessions?
1: Yeah, first of all, don't try and smash your training partners because you'll end up winning them because you're a big guy and the small guys ain't going to want to spar with you and they're important. That would be my advice for bigger bigger guys because if you smash everyone, mate, I spar... With people who are 60 kilos, obviously I ain't trying to kill them. They're trying to kill me, but I ain't trying to kill them. I'm just using them for speed. I'm working mid-defense and all that stuff. And uh, the, the really importance of training people like that, and every weight needs to realize it as well. Don't try and smash your training partners. If you're with another, another every you who's trying to smash you, try and smash them. If not, just enjoy yourself. Take it easy. That's what I think.
0: That's awesome, mate. Where can people find you?
1: Instagram. That's it. <laughs> just on Instagram, basically. And I struggle to work it. And I'm going to stop replying to people I don't know as well because they're pissing me off.
0: Nice to meet you. So, <laughs> <laughs> no,
1: I no expect a message back. No, you know what? I'm, I'm getting to the thing now where I'm starting getting... a. Uh, on social media.
0: Just,
1: <laughs> yeah, mate, people just message me and like, start slagging me off. Oh. I'm just like, yeah, hey, mate, fuck off at my DMs. But you know my problem is I reply. I don't reply. I don't. So say someone asks me a question just on on the DM um, like I don't know see, see right when I got in the UFC I had yeah. like 500 DMs or something like that which is really nice don't get me wrong really nice um, obviously I had people saying bollocks as well but most of the time it was nice stuff um, so I tried to reply back to everyone every single person I tried to reply back to them and was just like, oh, thanks. So I just like, sent an emoji back, just like a thumbs up or whatever. Um, but then it goes to like, oh, thanks. And then they're like, when's your fight? And then I have to reply back to that. And then it just becomes like this thing. But then at what point do you like say, oh, I'm too big to reply back to people? Because I don't want to be that guy. So I don't really know what to do with that.
0: Well, I guess it's That's one of them right. ones. It's tricky, sort of moral compass long as you're not like rude and stuff. But people need to appreciate you're a busy guy. In fact, you've acknowledged them and even considered them as well. I mean, it's not so much we're thinking more of them; just how would anyone speak to five hundred plus people? How would you have that conversation? It's just impractical. But
1: no, it just it just keeps like now like randoms message me and that, uh, and they say like if they say something nice, I want to reply to it. Do you know what I mean? But then, mm. at what point do I cut that off? I don't know. I'm still I'm still learning that. I'm still learning how to be like a more popular I guess and it's going to get more and more I don't I don't know I'm, I'm going to have to cross that bridge when I come to it I think or ask someone else Like people like Till and that and, uh, obviously Tyson Fury has got millions of people following him um, I don't think they like, reply to anyone basically but then I, I don't really know I don't know I don't know I don't want to seem like an ignorant bastard and think I'm better than people but like you say I'm a busy guy I don't have time to start chatting with someone i don't mind chatting with people i know and, and stuff but i don't want to start replying to people like having two hour conversation with someone i don't know just because they i don't know i, I you know you know where i'm coming from don't you I'm
0: not yeah lying yeah, yeah the thing is you want to be polite but you don't want to like you know be rude to anyone but also yeah. you've got only so many hours in the day and if like for example if you're walking with your family down the road and 500 different people come up to you to try and speak to you You'd be like, okay, just leave me alone. I'm trying to, you know, have my time here. But because it's on your phone, it's just sort yeah, of true. the equivalent of that. So it's not a case of being rude or not giving people the same level of respect. It's just, you know, it's impractical.
1: True, but that doesn't happen. No one comes up to me when I'm walking or anything. Yeah, no one, no, no one gives a shit where I'm from anyway. No one's bothered. Everyone probably say, oh, fucking, I hope he loses <laughs> yeah. something like that. No, no one's asked. No one's asked where I'm from, mate. I just let you crack on.
0: This is it, mate. Again, thank you so much for your time to come on today and really appreciate that, mate.
1: Oh, thanks for having me.
0: Thank you. Cool. Thank you for listening, guys. And this episode has been sponsored by Mauler MMA. Use code FCMMA20 at checkout on com for 20% off on all products.